Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 29th of December. India recorded under 17,000 fresh COVID-19 cases in the country and the country's total tally stood at the 1.02 crore mark. This is the lowest increase in daily cases in the last six months since the 23rd of June. The low number of fresh cases, however, could be partly attributed to low testing in the last 24 hours. Under 10 lakh samples were tested compared to the usual of nearly 11 lakh samples a day. Under 300 fresh fatalities were recorded in the country. Despite all the precautions taken by the government, the new mutant strain of the coronavirus has found its way into the country. The patients had recently returned from the United Kingdom where the new strain was first reported. In a statement, the Health Ministry has said that three cases were reported from Bengaluru, two from Hyderabad and one from Pune. The statement read, and I quote, All these persons have been kept in single-room isolation in designated healthcare facilities by respective state governments. Their close contacts have also been put under quarantine. Comprehensive contact tracing has been initiated for co-travellers, family contacts and others. Genome sequencing on other specimens is also going on. Unquote. Around 33,000 passengers arrived from the United Kingdom between November 25th and December 23rd. Ten more contacts of people who recently returned to Delhi from the United Kingdom were found to be COVID positive. With this, the total number of UK returnees and their contacts who tested positive for the virus in the national capital has gone up to 31. In Odisha, the government has said that nearly 62 returnees from the UK were untraceable in the state, despite it keeping a tab on the new coronavirus strain. The strain, described as out of control by British Health Secretary Matt Hancock, was first detected in Southeast England in September and quickly became the dominant strain in London and other parts of the United Kingdom. The Indian government, meanwhile, has formed a genome surveillance consortium called INSACOG under the leadership of the National Centre for Disease Control for keeping an eye on the circulating strains of the novel coronavirus in the country. The body was formed in view of the new fast-spreading strain of the COVID-19 virus. In other COVID-related news, a top company official has said that the Serum Institute of India has already produced around 50 million doses of the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine Covishield. He said that the institute plans to scale it up to 100 million by March next year, even as it awaits approval for emergency use authorization. The farmers' agitation at the borders of the national capital entered the 34th day today. As farmers maintained their demand of completely repealing the three new farm laws, the centre responded with a strong statement yesterday. Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar said that the Prime Minister was dedicated to improving the economic condition of farmers and no power could exert pressure and influence on him. Addressing another event, the Prime Minister too said that the government would keep marching on the path of strengthening Indian agriculture and the farmers. These remarks from the government came even as the sixth round of talks scheduled for tomorrow is on the table. Bharatiya Kisan Union spokesperson Rakesh Tiket today dismissed allegations about farmers being misled by opposition parties. He said, and I quote, If the opposition was strong, what was the need for farmers to launch the agitation? Unquote. In Punjab, meanwhile, over 1,500 mobile towers and telecom gear owned by the Reliance Industries Geo were allegedly vandalised by farmers protesting the centre's farm laws. Farmers in Punjab had called for a boycott of corporates, namely Adani and Ambani-owned enterprises, since the protests had begun in their states. This was a result of their fear and anger that corporates entering the agricultural sector would be exploitative towards farmers. 
Punjab Chief Minister Captain Amrinder Singh issued a firm warning yesterday against vandalization of mobile towers and disruption of telecom services and asked the police to take strict action in such cases. Over the last one week, farmers have been snapping power supply, cutting cables of telecom towers and damaging infrastructure of Reliance. The chief minister, however, declared yesterday that he would not allow Punjab to plunge into a state of anarchy. According to an NDTV report, Kadirabad village in Haryana has called for a complete boycott of all leaders from the state's governing coalition parties, the BJP and the Jannayak Janta Party. This was done to mark their protest against the new agricultural laws. The villagers said that anyone from the government who tries to enter their settlement will be welcomed with shoes and not garlands. A banner near the village entrance indicated that only those who spoke in farmers' interests would be allowed to enter. Traffic at the Delhi borders, meanwhile, remained staggered today as the farmers demonstrated in large numbers. The Mumbai police yesterday submitted before a court that Republic TV's editor-in-chief Arnab Goswami had allegedly bribed the former CEO of ratings agency Broadcast Audience Research Council or BARC, Parthu Das Gupta, with lakhs of rupees to rig his channel's ratings. Das Gupta was arrested on December 24th in connection with the TRP scam. He is the second former BARC official arrested in the case after the arrest of former CEO Romil Ramgarya earlier this month. This is the first time that Goswami has been explicitly named by the Mumbai police in the scam. According to a Times of India report, Assistant Police Inspector Sachin Vaze said, and I quote, In 2017, Goswami paid Das Gupta $6,000 at a star hotel in Lower Perel and sponsored a trip for Das Gupta and his family to Switzerland and Denmark. In 2018, he paid about 20 lakh rupees in cash and in 2019, he paid 10 lakh rupees at a hotel near the airport. Unquote. In the police report, Inspector Waze said that when Goswami launched Republic TV in 2017, he sought Das Gupta's help in manipulating ratings and took the channel to the number one slot. They knew each other from 2004. The report added that the police have seized Das Gupta's laptop, cell phones, a watch and silver jewellery. The police had also made similar claims about Romil Ramgarya of Bark, stating that he had received illegal financial benefits from a TV channel for sharing confidential information on the chosen audience for assessing viewership patterns. Dear listeners, you might think these are just a few bad apples in a ratings agency that allegedly helped manipulate the ratings of TV channels that are streamed into your television screens. Unfortunately, you are wrong. The ratings mechanism of the Broadcast Audience Research Council, or BARC, itself is designed in a way that allows for easy manipulation. BARC was founded in 2010 by the Indian Broadcasting Foundation, or IBF, and two other associations. The IBF claims to manage 350-plus channels and about 90% of TV viewership across India. It includes some of the biggest Indian and international broadcasters as its members. Disney, BBC, Discovery, Star, Sony... TV networks like Times Television, TV Today, Network 18, ABP and AsiaNet are also part of it. So Bark essentially measures ratings for channels which make up the body that owns and operates it. Well, isn't that a bit too convenient? To know more about how the TRP system in India is susceptible to various forms of manipulation, go to our website newslaundry.com and read my colleague Ayush's report titled TRP Scam – Bark's TV Audience Measurement System is Rotten. My dear listeners, we at News Laundry abstain from boastful claims and number one rankings like television news channels because our precious subscribers are a testament to our work.
We run on your support through subscriptions and bring you stories that actually matter minus the influence that corporate and government funding can bring. So if you're not a subscriber already, I urge you to head to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. The lowest subscription starts from 300 rupees a month only. The deputy chairman of the Karnataka Legislative Council, S.L. Dharme Gora, was found dead this morning near a railway track in the state's Chikamagaluru district. The railway police told reporters that it was a suicide case and a note was found near his body. However, the contents of the note were not disclosed by the police. Dharme Gora had left his farmhouse with his driver Dharmaraj on Monday evening. Dharmaraj said that the leader asked him to stop the car when they were near Gunasagar around 6 in the evening. He asked the driver to wait till he returned. The driver later called Dharmigora's personal staff since he did not return for hours. The politician's phone was also found switched off. Dharmigora, who was a member of the Janta Dal Secular, was recently in the news when he was manhandled during a council session over Karnataka's new cow slaughter bill on December 15th. The BJP government in Karnataka had recently called for a no-confidence motion against the chairman of the council and Congress leader K. Pratap Shetty. This was done owing to the early adjournment by Shetty of a council session in which the BJP government wanted it to pass its controversial anti-cow slaughter bill. However, on the day when the no-confidence motion was expected to be taken up, a scuffle erupted between BJP and Congress members of the Legislative Council. Before the chairman could arrive, the BJP made Deputy Chairman Dharme Gora take the chairman's seat. Fearing that the JDS leader would give the bill a green signal, Congress MLCs forcefully dislodged Dharme Gora from the seat while BJP leaders tried to put him back amid pushing and shoving from both sides. Some news reports indicated that Dharme Gora was impacted by the December 15th incident in the council. JDS chief and former Prime Minister H.D. Devigora said he was shocked to hear about Dharmigora's death and offered his condolences. JDS leader and former Chief Minister of Karnataka H.D. Kumaraswamy also expressed his grief and said that Dharmigora was like a brother to him. The state's current Chief Minister B.S. Yadirappa called the incident unfortunate and expressed his shock. The Karnataka Prevention of Slaughter and Preservation of Cattle Bill of 2020, over which the clashes took place in the Council, was cleared by the state's cabinet in the form of an ordinance yesterday. It now awaits the governor's assent. The ordinance plans to ban all forms of cattle slaughter and entails stringent punishment for offenders. Under the bill, cow slaughter has been made a cognizable offence. Offenders could attract a jail term of 3 to 7 years, while a fine between 50,000 rupees and 5 lakh rupees could be imposed on first-time offenders. Penalties between 1 lakh and 10 lakh rupees can also be imposed on second and subsequent offences. The passing of the bill attracted comments from former Chief Minister of the State and Congress leader Siddharamaya yesterday. He said and I quote, I had once said in the Assembly that I eat cattle meat. Who are you to ask? It is my right. Food habit is my right. Who are you to question it? If you do not eat it, leave it. I'm not going to force you. Unquote. According to the bill, however, slaughterhouses will continue to function and the consumption of buffalo meat will not be prohibited. An advocate in Gujarat's Limdi town was stabbed yesterday after he complained to his neighbour about improper disposal of leftover non-vegetarian food. The police said that Sufia Ghachi, also known as Bhano, barged into the office of advocate Batuk Patel in Limdi town at 5pm. Bhanu threw chilli powder in the eyes of Patel, his uncle Nanlal Patel and his two associate advocates Jayesh Dave and Neeraj Shah before stabbing Batuk Patel twice. 
Patel was rushed to a hospital and is reportedly out of danger. The police said that the 57-year-old advocate Patel had a stab wound on the right side of his stomach and right hand. The sub-inspector of the police station said that the accused Ganchi's COVID test report was awaited and after he tests negative, he would be arrested formally. The police inspector told the Indian Express and I quote, Patel and Ganchi are neighbours but they had a tiff going on since Ganchi opened a non-vegetarian food joint in their locality. Residents of the area have been complaining about Ganchi's disposing of non-vegetarian food residue like bones in the drain. They also had a clash with Ganchi over this issue around two months ago. Ganchi has been booked under various sections of the IPC including voluntarily causing hurt by dangerous weapons. And now for some international updates. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 81.2 million people so far. Out of these, over 1.7 million people have succumbed to the virus, while over 45.9 million people have recovered from it. Russia, meanwhile, admitted that its coronavirus death toll was three times higher than reported earlier. This makes it the country with the third largest number of fatalities. News agency AFP reported that Russian health officials have said that over 1.86 lakh Russians have died from COVID-19. In Germany, eight elderly home care workers were accidentally administered an overdose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine. They were injected with five times the recommended dose of the vaccine. Four of them developed flu-like symptoms and were admitted to hospital for observation. China today began emergency coronavirus vaccination on some key groups in Wuhan. The vaccination is available at 48 designated clinics in 15 districts for people aged between 18 years and 59 years. According to a Reuters report, the Dutch National Statistics Office has said that the number of fatalities in the Netherlands has increased to the highest rate since World War II because of the pandemic. The US military today began its first round of COVID-19 vaccinations in Japan, prioritizing frontline medical workers. The United States National Institute of Health said today that the Phase 3 of clinical trials for COVID vaccine developed by American pharma Novavax have begun in the country and in Mexico. Trials for the same vaccine are also on in the United Kingdom. The Philippines government said today that it has approved Johnson & Johnson vaccine candidate Janssen for clinical trials. The country's drug regulator said that the trial will begin in the next few weeks. The World Health Organization acknowledged that the COVID-19 outbreak has had a devastating impact around the globe. It also warned that worse pandemics could lie ahead. The body urged the world leaders to get serious about preparedness against future pandemics. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.